Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout. This week it's episode 96 and as per usual my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout and this week I am joined by an absolutely fantastic actor who you may know from his stints on many primetime American television shows. Please welcome to the podcast Greg Binkley. Drama School Dropout No graduation day for you Welcome to the podcast. How are we? I am very good. I hope our listeners are as well. Yes, I hope so too. Do you know, it's been, that's been one of the nicest things throughout this entire process because I started this during the pandemic and while we were all still in lockdown and one of the most depressing things at the beginning was when I would say to people have you got anything coming up just to sort of help advertise and they would be like yeah I am sitting on my couch staring at the same four walls but now like everyone's like yeah I'm doing xyz and the stories that the listeners send in that we're going to talk about later are getting better and it's it's really nice that everybody's sort of getting back to this pre-pandemic world. I don't want to jump the gun because I know that it's not over, but it's getting there. We're allowed to go back to the theatre, which makes me happy. Which is fantastic. Yeah, I just went back to the theatre for the first time in Los Angeles this past weekend and uh, really enjoyed it. We all had to wear masks, but at least we were there watching live theatre. What did you see? Uh, I was called King James. Are you familiar with it at all? I feel like that's a very popular Scottish play. Is it? Was it by uh, Marilyn Monroe? It's, not, it's a spin on the word. I guess it's uh, it's largely about this NBA star uh, LeBron ah. James, um, but it's about these two lives and how their friendship uh, gets intertwined with the uh, the uh, advancement in the career of LeBron James. So it's actually it was very good. It was in downtown Los Angeles, and uh, it was it was enjoyable, but just great to be out at theater again. Yeah, we have a set of plays in the UK, and I'm sure they're called the James's plays. Mm. by a, um, a Scottish playwright called Ronan Monroe. And I was like, oh, she's she's traveling far over to L.A., <laughs> but it was wrong. Not quite. Maybe eventually. <laughs> what I always like to ask everybody that comes on the podcast is, how did you get into acting? And what was your first ever role in it? We're not talking professional. It can be anything you like. Well, uh, actually, the very first thing I did was the play You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. I played Snoopy. I was in eighth grade and uh, the teacher, I had never acted before and he thought I was kind of funny. So he thought, you know, would you be willing to act like Snoopy? And I said, yeah, I guess. And so I did it. And I remember the first thing was I was so embarrassed by the outfit they gave me. (laughs) It was this big baggy thing. And I was kind of embarrassed, but I was like, okay, I'll go ahead. And I'd never sung before and I have to do a couple of songs. But the thing was, um, I just remember that the reaction of the audience was so great. You know, it was amazing yeah. that people were laughing and enjoying it. And, and afterward, my dad even said I did a good job, which was surprising. But the interesting thing about that, that I'd like to share about that, I was just having fun. I was playing. And so because of that, I started getting involved in other theater productions at our school. And then a thing called forensics, which is a speech and drama competition where you compete against other schools in various categories. And um, along the lines, our teacher brought in this guy that was teaching us how not to be nervous. I had never been nervous before. Yeah. But he told us, he told us to be very quiet and focus on something in our stomach that excretes some something or other. I don't know. I hate even talking about it. But basically what happened was he taught me how to be nervous. I had never been <laughs> nervous before. And so after that, I started getting real nervous before performances. But I always tried to go back to that moment when I was playing Snoopy, where I was just having fun, just playing 
And over time, I've been able to get rid of those nerves mm. and just uh, rely instead on having fun in the work. Obviously, you've you've done a, a lot of theater and you've also done television. And it's really interesting you talking about nerves because I don't get nervous. That's and it's great. something that I can kind of flex on. I was just in a, a play called Vanity Fair. I don't know if you're familiar with it. And it was oh, our great. final drama school show. And we're all talking in the dressing room beforehand. And everyone's like, oh, I'm a bit nervous. And I, I, I've always been the very cocky person. And it's a cocky answer that I give when people say, why don't you get nervous? And I sort of said, because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm, nice. It feels like I'm sort of like, you know how everybody has their piece of the jigsaw puzzle that they fit mm -hmm. into. That's being an actor is what I feel like I'm supposed to do. So That's I've never great. really got nervous. But with those nerves that you sort of get while you're in the um, wings and things waiting to go on stage, do you get those while you're sitting on a film set getting ready to go and film a scene? Uh, sometimes it depends, of course, on the lack, uh, you know, lack of preparation or full preparation, depending yeah. on how comfortable I am uh, with the situation. But I do remember uh, specifically, I was on a late night show on ABC Network uh, where I acted like Barney Fife from the Andy Griffith show. I don't know if you're even familiar with that show. It was a very famous show in the 60s here. But I was on this late night show. It was live. And I remember I was supposed to come up and interrupt the audience, uh, interrupt the host in front of this live audience and a live television audience across the country. And I started feeling the same way I did back in high school. <laughs> and I said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Because I, yeah. I was afraid right in front of everybody I would puke and it would become... <laughs> One of these things that would live on forever on YouTube. Um, but I, I overcame it. Uh, but now I realize as I do my work now, if I'm nervous, it's because, and I think it goes to what you're saying as well, I'm not in I'm not in the scene. I'm in my own head. I'm in yeah. the actor's head. I'm not in but if my character is not nervous, then well then I don't need to be nervous. I need to put myself in the situation that the character is. And I, I realize, and I'm sure you do as well that our best work comes from effortless ease, you know, from yeah. stillness. And so when we can connect to that, that's when we do our best work. So I keep I've never heard that before. Effortless ease. I like that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I realize if I want to do my best work, then I need to focus on the work yeah. and the work needs to come from stillness. And so I love that you're not nervous. I think that's a, a great quality. I know a lot of people say it's just uh, natural to be nervous, which, you know, a lot of people go through it, but I think it's more natural, I think, to be excited, maybe, you know, about doing the scene. But it's it's wonderful for you that you don't have to fight. I, I get more nervous, like, asking for a ticket on the train <laughs> than I do for, like, I don't know. It's always just been, I don't know if it's a bit of, like, cocky confidence that I, mm -hmm. I know I'm good at what I do, like, and that's something that, if, if you know British people, we don't often admit what we're good at and what we what we are, are great at and mm -hmm. I am um, I don't know if I spoke about it in the episode that you listened to with Alan I had a really rocky start to my drama school career and ended up dropping out and had no confidence in myself and mm. thought that I wasn't good enough and now that I know I am I feel like I'm always in the right place and if I'm not because yeah you were sitting worry two weeks before a show goes up and you're like oh, I'm not so sure on scene eight, I should run that a few times. And mm. I've just sort of become at peace with what's happening. And, and it's something that I kept telling people, one of my best mates, Samantha McGowan, she was in the same show as me and she was getting nervous. And I said, listen, see if you fuck up a line, nobody's going to die. 
<laughs> right. It's all good. Yeah, and exactly. I think the pressure that people put on themselves is what creates that. And talking about like effortless ease and going back to when you played Snoopy, we are so lucky in the job that we get to do is basically make pretend. Mm-hmm. I think that we get too caught up in what we're doing and we try to make everything more complicated instead of I've learned these words off of a sheet of paper. I have to be embarrassed and Mm -hmm. I have to talk to someone. Uh, Yeah, I think it's very smart. You can now become an official drama school dropout. We're now on Patreon and you can help this podcast grow on so many levels. As an official drama school dropout, you'll have access to unique benefits, including exclusive early access to episodes before anyone else. To become an official drama school dropout, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash drama school dropout. While I was doing my research, I couldn't find out much about your earlier life. Did you go to drama school or anything like that? I know you met your wife in an acting class, but I couldn't find if you'd went to drama school. Yeah, so uh, after I went through my experience in uh, junior high, where I started started getting nervous, but I still pursued it in high school, then I, was, I had the lead role in all the plays and everything, but then I was really getting nervous to where I was throwing up before performances, wow. and I thought... Yeah, I thought I can't do this anymore. So I went to the University of Kansas and got my degree in advertising. So I took one acting class my first semester there, and then I was there for five years. I took an acting class my last semester there, but otherwise I didn't take any theater classes because I really thought, you know, I just can't handle putting all this pressure on myself. But then I got very quiet. I remember near the end of my time at the University of Kansas, and I thought, what should I do? What should I do in my life? And the thought kept occurring to me, be an actor. I'm like, really? Be an actor? Really? And I just thought, okay, well, this is what I should do. So I moved out to Los Angeles, and that's when I started taking some acting classes out here. I took some that weren't that great, but I've studied with other people <laughs> that were, were, were really good and have benefited me. And the thing is, I've made my living as an actor for over 30 years, and I'm still in acting class. Yeah. Uh, because I want to stay sharp for when my opportunities come. It's one of those, and everybody says it, it's so cliche. You've heard all of your favorite actors say it's a job where you never stop learning. And if you stop learning, you shouldn't be doing the job. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But as you know, also, there's so much competition. Yeah. So when I get my opportunity, if I'm rusty, if I if I'm not ready, you know, they want to see what we can do, not in the future, but what we can do today. Yeah. So we have to know what we can do today. They're not going to hire us based on our potential, but on what we can provide today. So I found, uh, you know, when I am staying sharp by staying in acting class and working out uh, every week or every day, then when the opportunities come, I'm ready. Yeah. One of my favorite things, and these really thrive my life. And if you said you've taken some bad acting classes, I imagine yeah. you'll have some great ones. Do you yeah. have any crazy or funny stories from acting class? Because they're my favorite things in the world. And some really weird shit goes on behind those doors. <laughs> you know, that's true. Uh, well, when I first came out, I took one at the UCLA extension class. And I don't know, this guy, I'm trying to remember so long ago, I've really tried to block out all the goofy <laughs> stuff, but it was a lot of pointless, to me, pointless uh, exercises that we did. Um, I wish I had one funny thing to tell you about it. I just remember us acting very, I, you know, I'm sure it was to the, trying to get us to free ourselves, but uh, we were just, we just do some sort of goofy stuff. And I realized 
that all those things I was learning had nothing to do with how I would act in, on film or television. Yeah. And in fact, it was pushing me to be broad and big and in ways that I would never get hired for. Um, so no, I wish I had. Well, what's a good story you have? Do you have a good one? Oh, I feel like I, I have total opposite ends of the spectrum. So I have a really a disturbing one um, <laughs> that I like to whip out every once in a while. Um, mm-hmm. But I told that I told that last week on the podcast. I'm trying to think. Great, great story. Um, right, my playback theater story. That's the one I'm going to tell. Okay. We were doing we were doing a class on playback theater. I don't know if you are you familiar with. No. So basically, it's like an improv troupe. So you would just sometimes it's done as like a warm up for a show. So okay. an audience member tells a story, like two minute story. And then the um, cast actors, forgot what they were called there, um, reenact the story. So we were mm-hmm. doing it and there was me and this girl, Amy Hannah. I'm sure she's absolutely sick of me telling this story. Um, <laughs> and we were like quite professional actors for our age and our station. And we were doing Shakespeare and didn't want to do anything where we looked foolish. So this one guy in the class, Jack, told the story and um, he had three dogs in his family. And of course, the professional actors got cast as the dogs that did nothing. So mm. me and Amy were sat there just doing nothing. Like we were like, we're clearly being like poked fun at, like, let's just play along. There was this other guy who shall remain nameless, who decided to get very in character and literally put his nose up Amy's bum. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yikes. <laughs> He was discovering new territory during yeah. that scene. Yeah, and it was like I literally went because we we were like I always say that method acting is a very dangerous thing for students, and because mm. you don't know what you're doing really, and if you're getting so lost in it, you don't really have full capabilities of knowing what's in and out of the law. Um, right. So I was like, we need to stop. What What are you doing, <laughs> mate? Like, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Uh, at least he didn't hump her leg or your leg, I guess. Huh? I mean, that would have probably ended in a fist fight. <laughs> that would have. There was another one where the same guy actually um, slapped another guy, and this guy that done it was was not your app. Like in my first ever drama class, it was a, a wide mixed variety of people from mm-hmm. all backgrounds, um, and he was sort of, if we're talking stereotypes, the mousy Weasley nerd. Mm-hmm. Like he was short, small, would probably get beaten up. And this mm-hmm. guy, one of my mates actually, was your stereotypical jock, like very athletic, muscular body. And this guy slapped my mate once in oh, a wow. scene. And you know, when you just know somebody's overstepped their mark. <laughs> and we all had to sort of grab my mate and be like, he's not worth it. Do not get yourself kicked out of school. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Some weird stuff. We've had some great stories on the podcast. We had Dinah Manoff on. This is one that I always talk about. She was doing an acting class in LA and all of a sudden Tina Turner turned up with two Dobermans. Oh, wow. So that's one that I always love. Man, that is great. Yeah, gosh, I wish I had a good one. I just try to block so much of it out. because (laughs) It was uh, definitely not worth my time or money and actually set me back a little bit. But I do want to talk to you very, very briefly about, because I imagine you talk about it all of the time and I don't want to bore you. Um, One of my favorite TV shows of all time, which is My Name is Earl. Um, It's been such a 
a presence throughout my life. And I always don't like saying this because it sometimes makes people feel old. I grew up with My Name is Elle. <laughs> so yeah. I watched it when I was too young to watch it, everything mm-hmm. like that. And I, I recently rewatched it on Disney Plus in the UK. Oh, great. No, I love that you're a fan of it. And it's such a disappointment for all of us that were a part of it that the show got canceled after four years. Uh, I don't know if you know at the time what was happening here in America, but NBC decided to put this uh, talk show host named Jay Leno on five nights a week. And they would put him on one hour on NBC. He used to be the late night host. And then they, they it was a big drama, but they ended up putting him on during primetime five nights a week. So they had to get rid of 10 hours of shows or five hours of shows. It could be 10 shows. And one of them was My Name is Earl, even though Earl was still popular yeah. and and even left on a cliffhanger. Yeah, we didn't uh, get to because I always thought, right, because like, obviously, what was going to happen when he crossed everything off of his list? Right, right. And, exactly. But we never really there's so much opportunity for that show. Oh, yeah. 100%. And as you know, I was the first person he crossed off yep. the list in the pilot episode. And my character, um, he used to pick on me when we were kids. And then uh, he decided to get get me uh, some company with a woman, a daytime <laughs> hooker, <laughs> the daytime hooker, Patty. And then when she came in, uh, she found a gay magazine. So I realized my character was gay. So yeah. Uh, but then he was, despite his own personality, he took me to a gay bar and uh, I let him cross me off the list. And that was the beginning. And so I ended up doing over 20 episodes. Uh, the show went on for four years. But I love that you love it. You know, you know we're making, yeah, it, it has such a, a great message. And I think one of the things that a lot of people that didn't watch the show didn't realize was how smart the show was. Yeah. The characters are not smart, but the show was very yeah. smart. And um, and so, yeah, it was such a, a joy to do. And, you know, Jason Lee was hilarious and, and mm-hmm. the perfect uh, character for Earl. You know, I want to tell you, since this is a, a drama oriented podcast, that you might appreciate the story. Um, so going back to nerves, I remember when I was trying out for Kenny. And t- in fact, what happened was they hired somebody else to play my role when they wow. and then they had, they had the table reading. And that character, the actor wasn't working out. So they brought me back. And I'll never forget, I was on the lot at CBS Radford here in Studio City. And I decided, you know what? I'm not going to be nervous. I'm just going to be present. So I sat, I stood outside the door and I just looked around. I was outdoors and I was like, those trees are green. That bark is brown. I went very slow like this just to get present, completely present. And then I walked down, they called me and I walked down the long hallway into the room where the uh, creator of the show, Greg Garcia was there, the casting director, the director. And I just walked in and I was completely present, completely present. And in that scene, when I auditioned, at one point, I had to confess that I was gay. And I was asking a friend of mine, you know, her brother, when he confessed, I said, how did, how did he say that to you? And, and she said he started crying. And so in the audition, and I was completely present when that moment came. And I said, I've never told anybody I was gay or something that effect. And I started crying. And right at that moment, the phone rang and my audition got interrupted. And the, you know, the casting director answered and they hung up and the creator of the show said, okay, that was really good, but you don't need to quite go that far. Just bring it back a little bit. And so I did it, but I think they were so impressed that I went that deep that I was willing to go that deep and that I was able to overcome it, you know, despite the distraction 
And it all goes back to that, what you were talking too about, about not being nervous and that stillness and that effortless ease. Because I was so present in that room, everything was happening magically. Mm. And so then I ended up getting cast in it. And the show was a huge hit with the pilot. The pilot episode won Emmys for the director, the writer, and the casting director. It was a it was a huge uh, deal. And um, I'm just so grateful that people all over the world enjoy that show so much. And I, yeah. I, I love it. You liked it. Just just while you were talking there about sort of feeling present outside the auditions, my whole perception on auditions changed about four years ago because it, it is daunting. Don't get me wrong. And it is sort of you stood outside of these rooms being like, oh, I've got to pay the rent this month. I need to get right. this. And I, I'll never forget. I was given two pieces of advice by Yvonne Moffat, who taught me acting. She's a great lady. Um, she teaches in Glasgow near me. What the first thing you look bonkers doing it, but it really does work. Like you said, in, if you stand outside of wherever you are and you just take up as much space as you can, like starfish, and it makes me, I don't know what it does to me. It just fills me with confidence. I do well, it before I do self tapes. That's great. It opens you up yeah. too, right? I just stand in the middle of my living room and try and take <laughs> up as much space as I can. The second thing that I got told that completely made me do a 180 on my perception to auditions was that you are trying to solve someone's problem. Mm -hmm. Someone isn't looking to give you a job. You right. need to show that person that they have a problem that they don't have somebody to play Kenny for talking sake. Mm -hmm. You need to solve that problem and be like, yeah, I can. Mm -hmm. And I was told that the audition panelists want you to succeed because they want to go home. Right, exactly. They true. want to go yeah. home to their family. So they want to find yeah. what they're looking for. So they're right. always rooting for you. And that just, that totally made me do like a 180. So if I have ever imparted any piece of wisdom on this podcast, I hope it's that. That's it. I love that. Well, it's true because, you know, they, they have other jobs to handle, you know. Yeah. So this is one of the things they need to do. And if you can solve their problem, they'll be so happy. And I think in that moment, when I was so present, they had their problem solved, mm. which uh, they appreciated. And so after the pilot, uh, apparently, you know, they do all this research and my character tested really well. So they wanted to, to keep bringing me back. So uh, I was happy as Kenny, I got to do a lot more episodes. And, um, you know, there has been talk that, that they might eventually do a movie since the show got canceled. I mean, I think everybody would love to see that. A great segue into my next question. So <laughs> in three years, it'll be the show's 20th anniversary. Oh, wow. Will, would you go back to do a reunion of any kind? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, after I'm off this, I might uh, text Greg Garcia and say, did you know three years yeah, from now? It, 2005 it started. Wow. I'll, I'll tell him that you brought that up and we'll yeah. see. Uh, I was maybe... seven. <laughs> you were seven. <laughs> I was, uh, I was eight. Yeah. <laughs> um, that would be today. <laughs> right. No, I know Jason Lee would be happy to do it. I've seen him uh, uh, quoted as saying he would love to, to bring the character back. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Ethan Suplee since then. Uh, are, do you follow him on Instagram? He was Randy, the brother. Yeah, every once in a while, I'll see something. Yeah. Well, he's he's a bodybuilder now. Yeah. So he looks nothing like Randy. It'd be it'd really be interesting to see how they resolve that aspect. <laughs> In the time, we surely just stick it on um, Earl's list. Mm -hmm. Made Randy right. fat. <laughs> right. I love that. Made Very Randy. good. There we go. Greg, just give me a writer's credit. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You know, it's interesting you bring this up too, because I had a dream about a week ago 
that I was on the set of My Name is Earl and we were shooting again. And the whole concept was the actors that always wanted to be on My Name is Earl that who never got were now in this <laughs> episode as uh, they were crossing off. Oh, you never got to be on the episode? Well, here you are. Uh, so yeah, I would love to do that again. And I would love to work with all those actors again. I mean, they're some really terrific actors on that show. I'd also love to be a part of it. So if you need a British <laughs> actor, just emails in the show notes below, let me know. Um, <laughs> a question that I love to ask about, obviously, my name is El became such a global phenomenon and it ran for four years and had such a great run. Did you steal anything from the set? <laughs> Did I steal anything from that set? I did not because I was not a series regular. Greg Garcia went on to create another show called Raising Hope. I don't know if you've ever seen yeah. that one. It's really, it's really good. I have a few items in my garage from that one, but uh, no, I don't think uh, trying to think if I ever did not on that one, but you know, are you familiar with the show family feud? Yes, it's called yeah. um, Family Fortune in the UK. Oh, okay, well, in the Family Feud, our two uh, our characters uh, create uh, went up against each other. Uh, you know, some of the town folk like uh, Patty, the daytime hooker, and a couple other people, and me went up against Earl and yeah. Crab Man and all those people. So I do have a few items from that. Uh, my name from that, but uh, otherwise, yeah, I didn't steal anything. I, you know, if I did, I'd have to make my own list. To overcome <laughs> <laughs> other than kenny who was your favorite character from the show oh great great uh, question i love joy joy was hilarious <laughs> yeah she was i think that's you, the part i that? would want to play but we'll never get to play yeah yeah you remember that episode jump for joy where she was <laughs> yeah. uh, i love that one um you know i just really uh i really like crab man a lot um, yeah he, he was so cool and such a great guy you know, whenever we were on the set, uh, he was the one I used to hang out with the most, you know, but man, I loved all the characters and Randy, I loved, you know, he was so innocent and he was just such a great character and the actor, Ethan, who played him. Wow. There's so many good characters. That's a great question. Yeah, there is. But I, yeah. I'm going to go with Crab Man just because I thought he was so cool. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly, he did a commercial. That's how Greg Garcia saw him. He did a commercial for Staples. I don't know if you have Staples there in the UK. It's a, yeah, so that's what, and he was doing, uh, dancing down the aisles to the song uh, Rubber Band Man, and uh, that's how Greg Garcia saw him and put him on, you know, the first. Uh, it's crazy how things like that happen, isn't I it? I know, exactly, yeah. Never know where you're going to be seen. Maybe I will go to that commercial audition. <laughs> that's right, for, I'm for really sure. Joking. I'd say yes to everything. Talking about that, I want to rewind slightly to Before My Name Is El, because you had a very unusual job. You used to have a job doing celebrity impersonations over the phone oh, you know that's what it does say that on there it's not yeah so if you're familiar it's with Wikipedia don lying it's it's uh you know it's kind of true but i used to act like don knots from the andy griffith show if you are you familiar with him at I'm all not. but he was a he was a character who talked like this and he was uh he was a deputy who was totally inept but thought he was just the coolest toughest guy and so that's i used to act like him and um that's really how I, I kind of got well known. I, I worked at a restaurant in Beverly Hills called Ed DeBevix. It was a 50s diner when I first moved out here. And when you walked in, all the actors were playing characters as if it was the 50s. So it was like you were walking into the 50s. And so I ended up acting like Barney Fife, you know, as the security guard for the restaurant. They ended up putting me in, in this late night show. I told you where I almost threw up. And that's how I kind of got out of waiting tables. But also at the same restaurant, 
uh, a director saw me and he put me in a movie called Revenge of the Nerds 3, where I was the leader of the new generation of nerds. Um, so that all came from me acting like Barney Fife. Um, so that was my big impersonation. But it was just kind of interesting. Don Knotts was such a legendary character here in America that because yeah. people liked him so much, as soon as I acted like him, they liked me. And then, as a matter of fact, the very first time I met Greg Garcia was on a show called Yes, Dear. And the casting director had me do that for him. And he cast me in that show. And then he cast me in My Name is Earl. And then on Raising Hope, all because I acted like Barney Five. So it pays off to uh, <laughs> yeah. people. <laughs> Waiting tables still paying the bills. All right. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> I haven't had to do that. Yeah. But uh, that, was, that was a good launch. But, you know, back then, um, as I told you, we were all playing characters, waiting tables. I realized I didn't want to wait tables, but I really knew that I was in Hollywood and I, I really performed as much as I could every time I mm. waited tables. And that's how I got my agents. That's how I got these movies. That's how I got the TV show. And I think that's a great thing for actors is to really keep your eye on what it is you do want, you know, not complaining about what it is you're doing, but keep your eye on what you do want and then take advantage of every opportunity you get. Have you seen the the videos of the new viral dining experiences with um, Karen's Diner? No, what's that? It's just um, restaurants all around the globe where the staff are really rude. Oh, no. And I've <laughs> never wanted to be a waiter. I've never wanted to work in the hospitality industry. I'd love to work in Karen's Diner. <laughs> well, you know, that was the original concept with my, uh, with Ed DeBevix was the, you know, the uh, waitresses were rude to you, but I, I played a nerd, so I didn't, I wasn't yeah. too rude. Like they write insults on people's hats and everything. It's I, I really want to work <laughs> right. there. Oh, well, you should. It'd be a good way to get out all your aggressions, right? <laughs> yeah. There's not one near me, unfortunately, but if there was, I'd be first in line. I'd be like, can I have a job, please? I'll work for free. Um, we're going to play a game now, and it's one of okay. my favorite things in the world. Um, I've devised entire performances around these stories, and it's called Stage Right or Stage Shite. And it's okay. three stories. Two of them are the whole truth, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and have been submitted by listeners. And one is a big fat lie that has been made up by our producer, and it's our job to find out which one's the lie. I've got the answer in a sealed envelope. So I love these. Truly some of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> Number one, in drama school, we thought it would be a good idea to have a big group meal the night before our last ever day, which happened to be a theoretical exam. But something went wrong and we spent the next day being sick everywhere. We were all riddled with food poisoning and someone actually vomited over their exam paper. <laughs> Number two, during my last year of school, I sometimes had to, drama school, sorry. I sometimes had to use crutches because of a medical condition. One lunchtime, I left my crutches in the classroom. And when I came back, my crutches were missing and no one knew what had happened to them. Thankfully, I managed with them without them for the rest of the day and got another pair in the evening. However, a week later, we found them. One of the students in the year below me had taken them thinking they were just props in the props cupboard and were use was using them in their devised performance module. Mm. Number three, there was a really pretentious girl in my class at drama school. And every night after a performance in the theater, she would walk around the dressing room and write a number between one and 10 on our mirror in lipstick. That number was a ranking of our performance, and she would also give a detailed report to the director forward slash lecturer if, she, if anyone missed, messed up a line or messed something else up. I think everyone, including the staff, was glad to see the back of her at the end of the year. Yikes. I, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, man, I hope that one's not true, but I have a feeling it is. 
I have a feeling the crutches one is fake. Yeah, I'm thinking actually the first one. Uh, but I'm going to go with that one just because of the theme of me throwing up before performances. I think. Yeah. I'll choose that one as Could being. Could you imagine fake. being doing a theoretical exam, sitting there trying to write, and having, <laughs> I, I can't think of anything worse actually. So you're going to go for number one. I'm going to go for yep. number two, and okay. let's see what it is. I'm trying to hold this away from the mic because it's a horrible sound. Number two. Wow, you know you know this game too well. question that i love to ask everyone because i like to be introduced to new actors that i might never have heard of before if you were booked in the west end or broadway but preferably the west end so i can come and see and the casting director you're doing a two-hander and the casting director comes and says listen we've got enough money who do you want to be your co-star you can pick anyone in the world but they have to be alive who would you pick yeah interesting you know uh Gene Hackman is like one of my favorite actors, but I don't, he's not acting anymore. So I would say maybe Denzel Washington. Good um, shout. Yeah, because he's, he's so professional and he's so committed and he's so passionate. I think just working with him would inspire me. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's one of these guys that never lets in. And, uh, and yet he's also very embracing of the people he works with, from what I understand. And I think just working with him would be incredible. I, uh, I know Austin Butler got to work. You know Austin Butler? Yes, about- Elvis in the new Elvis yeah, film. Yeah, it's about to come out. He's going to explode. But he worked with uh, he worked with Denzel uh, for Iceman Cometh on Broadway for a long time and just talked about what it was like working across him. And every night he would do something different. He was still doing the play, but he was doing something different every night. He was so fully alive. And I think working with somebody like that would just be inspiring. Yeah, I have to continue my weekly campaign. It's been going for 80 odd weeks now. Catherine Tate, please come on the podcast or please do a two person show with me in the West End. And if you do that, I'll just give up because if I get to act with you, there's nowhere to go other than that. Like (laughs) it's definitely peaking at that point. Um, yeah, no, I love Catherine Tate. But moving back on, you've had such a great career, and I was looking at your CV last night, and it's so extensive. Do you have a biggest what the fuck's going on moment? <laughs> you know, um, I'll tell you, uh, I used to I used to be the uh, spokesman for a fast food chain out here in Los Angeles for six years. Yeah. So it was a one one time commercial. It's for, for Del Taco, is what it's called, a one time commercial that they just kept bringing me back and bringing me back. And then suddenly it went on for six years. And then my name is Earl came along and uh, the, the campaign ended after six years. And then um, my money started going down after I'd saved, you know, and I'm having my second kid at the time. I have three now. And I was really wondering what is going to happen to me now? I mean, how, how am I going to continue? I already had this contract for six years as a spokesman. What can I possibly do? And I, one of the events, I used to do these personal appearances, and one of the events was at a particular Del Taco in Hollywood. And the, a lot of famous people wanted to get their picture with this character I was playing. And then it went, went away, and I was struggling, trying to make ends meet. And I did the pilot episode of a show called Raising Hope that I was mentioning to you earlier. Yeah. And the show hadn't quite got picked up yet. But I'm, now I'm driving down Hollywood uh, the street is called Santa Monica Boulevard, and I'm right at the corner of One Santa of my Monica. favorite places in the world. <laughs> yeah. So I'm d- driving down Santa Monica. I stop at Highland, and I look to the left where that Del Taco was that I'd had this huge appearance where people, famous people, wanted their picture with the Del Taco guy, which was me at the time. 
I looked over there and that restaurant had been grazed. It knocked to the ground, it's gone. But on the very grounds was a billboard for Raising Hope, the new wow. show that I started. And I was like, wow, this is like, that's over, but this is just beginning. That's and a full circle moment, isn't it? It was amazing. And then that was the first time, you know, when I moved out here from Kansas, I always had this intention. I'm going to be a series regular on a national network show. I kept meditating on it. I kept working for it. And it only took me 25 years, 25 years. But uh, Raising Hope was when I finally became a series regular. And to see that billboard on the very ground where my previous contract uh, had ended was uh, kind of a wow moment at all. Everything yeah. happens for a reason. Yeah. That, that's, that's like a mad moment, isn't it? Yeah. Talk about literally a sign. <laughs> yeah. I, I never thought about it like that. Um, yeah. Well, talking about jobs and jobs ending, and have you got anything coming up? Anything exciting? Well, um, you know, I'm on this I, Apple TV show called Roar. I did one episode, but I understand she's very famous in, in the UK, Mira Sayal. You know that actress, Mira Sayal? Um, anyway. Uh, Probably, but the name escapes me. Okay. It's on Apple TV. It's called Roar. I'm in episode seven. Um, I, I just did a show in America called NCIS Los Angeles that aired, but uh, I have one on HBO Max coming out soon. <laughs> the Sex Lives of College Girls. Have you heard of The Sex Lives of College Girls? I haven't heard of it, but it sounds great. <laughs> you know, it sounds like it's a soft porn or something, but it's actually just a funny sitcom. It makes me think of like American Pie. Yeah, yeah, to a degree. Yeah, or the show Sex in the City. Did you know that show? Yeah. Sex in I love, love Sex in the City. I'm definitely a Samantha. Okay, good. Well, it's similar to that, only for college girls. And that episode is coming up uh, soon on HBO Max. So uh, just keep plugging away, waiting for that next big one. I just yeah. need to look for a sign, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, should we start getting restaurants closed down on purpose <laughs> for billboard spots? Just right. like, where was um, the diner that you worked at? Let's figure out how we get a billboard there. Right, 100%. <laughs> but I'm waiting. But, you know, I love that you're uh, so active in your career at this young age and that you're going for it. I just think that's terrific. It was, do you know, I, I owe everything to COVID, which is such mm. a weird thing to say. I dropped out of drama school and was in a really bad mental state in January of 2020. Really didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I sort of came out and I never wanted to act again and was looking at going to work in retail. And then we got shut down and we were forced to stay inside and it was sort of just through that that I got better and at the time I was working in Amazon I was away mm. from all of my friends and family and I just missed my mates and I was like all my mates were actors um I listened to this great podcast called Shagged Married Annoyed would fully mm. recommend it it's comedy and I was like one day I could do that and I like mm -hmm. I've got the gift of the gab. I can talk to people. Sure. So I phoned nine of my friends and one of my lecturers. And I said, Hey, I want to do a podcast. Will you come on and do it? And it just ignited everything back in me. And it's so weird to say because I'm so it's never lost on me the amount of devastation that was caused by COVID and the yeah. amount of lives that we lost. And I think this is the first time I've ever said this publicly. There, there were a lot of lives lost during COVID, but I got mine back. Wow. Yeah. I'll, I'll never be able to repay what this industry has given me. Well, that's great. But I, I have a feeling you will, because I can tell you're passionate uh, and you and you want to explore what you have to offer. And that's really what we do as actors. So I love it. I, and it's not got anything to do with the fact that I'm not good at anything else. <laughs>
<laughs> well, you're brilliant at this. Thank you. That that genuinely means a lot. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Where can everyone keep up to date with what you're doing on social media and everything? Well, I'm on Instagram at Greg Binkley. It's G-R-E-G-G Binkley, B-I-N-K-L-E-Y. All down um, in the so show notes below. Go and follow <laughs> Greg and follow me while you're at it. Yeah, I would love uh, to have you follow me. I, I post what's going on uh, on that on Instagram. So um, so that's uh, hopefully many more things to be posted yeah. in, the, in the coming year. Hopefully. You're also on Cameo. So anybody listening, make sure to go over to Cameo. The link is also down in the show notes below. And Greg will say happy birthday, Merry Christmas, anything you like. Do you do breakups? <laughs> I haven't. Uh, that would be an interesting one. I don't know if both people would be happy with that Cameo, but... <laughs> You could do it. Do you ever do them as the Del Taco character? I have, and also the Raising Hope character, because uh, the Raising Hope character worked at a grocery store. So oftentimes I'll mm. go to a grocery store to wish the person, uh, you know, a happy birthday. But I've had a few people from My Name is Earl, too, uh, even though that show, as you said, is coming on 20, 20th anniversary. It's hard to believe that it's uh, started that long ago, but I love that people still follow it. And, uh, I'm ready so, to yeah. start the petition. I'll raise the flag. I'll start. <laughs> I'll get everyone involved. That um, sounds good. Uh, only if I can have a small part. I'm going to tell Greg, we got to write in a role for you. Yeah, for sure. like even if it's like, because I know I could be the new postman. <laughs> well, yeah, the other postman, uh, you know, we'll, with, we'll the see with the eye. You know, uh, I don't know if you know this. That's actually Ethan Supley's dad. Uh, the guy that played Randy, that was his yeah. dad. In real I didn't yeah. know that. That's good. Yeah. So maybe I won't get that role. Maybe his dad maybe will not, get not it again. He can be the new the new postman uh, following him around. But uh, yeah, I'll try to set you up with Patty, the daytime hooker too. And uh, we'll just have a heck of a time. Do you Grab know what? Man. I'm so ready for it. <laughs> so that would be great. Yeah, no, it would be. But I will let you get back to normal life. Thank you so much for coming on. It's genuinely been such a pleasure. And what I always say to everybody that comes on, if we're ever, if we ever find ourselves in the f same place, the first round of drinks is always on me. But because you're the working actor, the rest are on you. <laughs> It'll be my pleasure. I would love that. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 96 completed. Thank you so much to Greg for coming on the podcast and make sure to follow us both on social media, which you'll find down in the show notes below. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us out so much you don't even know. If you have a story for Stage Right or Stage Shite, please email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com. And don't forget that you can now become an official Drama School Dropout by signing up to our Patreon using the link in the show notes below. I'll be back again next week with a brand spanking new episode next Tuesday. Same time, same place, every week. You know the score. Have a great week. Stay safe. I love you. Drama School Dropout no graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout.